When the charismatic movement broke out, it broke out across all denominations. It broke out in the Catholic Church. It broke out in the Lutheran and Methodist Church. It broke out everywhere. Not everybody was on board, but it, it, it hit a remnant. It hit a remnant of people that began to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of them came out of their churches. Some of them stayed in their churches and formed little Bible studies within the church and tried to revive the church. Some of them got out and started charismatic churches. A lot of the TV preachers, the charismatic TV preachers, came out of that revival. They were saved in that revival. Now, I, when I got saved, I didn't know I was a Jesus freak. I didn't get saved because there was, you know, a, because the Jesus movement was going on, and a lot of people didn't. A lot of people got saved, and they didn't know. They didn't get saved because they thought they were part of some movement. We just got saved because the Holy Ghost was moving. And I was in, you know, I was in the drug culture and all that stuff, and, uh, and came through all that, and God delivered me out of that. But I, I got saved during that movement. But watch this. So... When the Holy Ghost moved in the charismatic movement, it fell on experienced Christians, people who had been in the way for a while. But when the Jesus movement then broke out, it fell on young people. So you see it falls first on the remnant, and then young people get saved and start coming in. But here's the thing about it. You've got to have the churches ready for the young people to come in. When I got saved, I came into a on-fire, old-timey church of God. I mean, every service, people were running the aisles. People were falling out in the spirit. I mean, every service, we saw healings. We saw the power of God fall. I mean, I came from... from you know, the Catholic Church, and I walked right into that. Didn't understand any of it. But I began, you know, but I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Didn't even know what it was. The power of God. And I, I, remember, I remember telling God, now, Lord, uh, you saved me. I got saved under a, a little uh, a Baptist missionary in Athens, Greece. Never, never met the guy. The guy never knew I even got saved. He just made an altar call. He was in his. He had a rather large home, and there's probably you know 60, 70 people there, mostly sailors. And he'd preach, and he said, "You want to give your heart to Jesus?" I turned around in my chair and gave my heart to Jesus, and I said, "Lord, I don't know if you can ever do it." I remember, I remember praying this prayer, Lord, I, I, you probably can't do anything with me. But if you can do anything with I serve the devil 24-7 with everything I had, and I'll, if it's sweeping the floor, I'll give you 24-7 everything I got for the rest of my life. And I kept the promise. And he kept his promise, and he kept me alive, and he kept me full of the Spirit. Amen. Got the, got the same Holy Spirit. Eh? Gets, gets sweeter. Come on, church. Hallelujah. I'm still standing. We got to sing that song one day. <laughs> I'm still standing, still full of the Spirit. Come on. I can still outrace some of you. Can outjump most of you. I can't outrun or outjump him, but I'll try. Because we know white men can't jump, but I can try. Whew, glory. 
Amen, God is good. But I came in on that. And you know what? I am so blessed because I may be able to live long enough to see God do that again in these last days. We might be able to see God do that again in these last days. Because these, <coughs> these are excuse me, the days of Elijah all over again. And God's about to do it again. Amen. I might even get saved again. It's so good. But I'm going to sit right with those green hairs. I'm going to sit right down with, with them with the tattoos and things hanging from everywhere. And I'm just going to shout and praise God with them. Amen. But here's the thing. they got to have churches on fire that they come into. Because if they get saved and come into a lot of churches, they'll be pure aggravated with them. They'll be upset. They'll just walk away because some churches not only, I mean, even if they accept them, there's no power to keep them. In fact, a lot of churches won't even accept them. And listen, I followed the ministries of people who were young men in their ministries, in their pastorate, and they welcomed these long hairs, they called them back then. They welcomed the long hairs into the service. And, 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 and 50 years later, their churches are running thousands because that move of God and those people's young people came in, got married, got settled, raised their kids. Now their grandchildren are getting saved, all because a church loved the long hairs and let them come in, amen. And, and, and they were able, not just where they were loved, but they came into a church that had the power of the Holy Ghost because they need deliverance. They need to come out of addictions. They need to come out of all kinds of, uh, of, of, of problems and situations, sexuality, all kinds of things they need to come out of, and they'll never come out of it in these dead churches. We need churches that are alive with the power of the Holy Ghost in these last days. We're going to see the spirit of Elijah return, and, and, oh, and the spirit of Elijah is going to fall on us to get us ready for the next generation that I want to call the Lazarus generation. And Elijah is going to meet Lazarus. And it's going to be something to see. You may not even like it. It may be really weird. It may not, may not be what grandma did. It may not be your experience. But we need to be open to whatever it takes to get this generation saved under the power of God. You know, one thing about it in my generation, we at least had a church culture. I mean, back then, we all knew what church was. We may have been on drugs. We may have been rebellious. We may have been, you know, you think people rioted now? They rioted then. There were more riots then. There were more bur cities burning then. You know, we had Vietnam to protest, <laughs> right? And, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, the, race, you know, the race movement, all that stuff. So there was plenty, to, plenty of good reasons to riot. There's never a good reason to riot, but to protest. But out of all that, wow, a generation came out. Listen, it looks so hopeless today, but God's going to move. 
just when you think there's nothing to be done, what can we do? God's going to show up. If we'll just have faith, praise him in this house. Uh, are y'all praying for me? I feel like I'm having to duke it out today. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. I've preached this so many times over the years. These are the last two verses of the Old Testament. After God gave uh, Malachi these verses, he didn't speak again for 400 years. 400 years. And the next thing he spoke was the New Testament. 400 years. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Wow. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. We're under that curse. We're living in a time where families are falling apart. He said, we've got to restore fathers to sons and sons to fathers. Marriage is the key to this. It's God's holy institution, and it's been torn apart. And then there's the bloodletting of abortion. And now they, of course, they, you know, God, they kick God out of schools, right? And they didn't just kick him out. They're teaching their own stuff. They're filling. Listen, if you have a child or a grandchild in school, you need to know what they're being taught. You need to keep up on it because they're, they're, not, they're not educating anymore. They're indoctrinating. They're not teaching kids uh, how to think. They're teaching them what to think. So we're raising a generation. It's not just that they don't know God, but we're raising a generation that is anti-God because they were taught that. And it's a social, he said, well, well, you know, what's so wrong about socialism? You know, it's unbelievable. Young people, the majority of young people want socialism in America. It, it's, the, it's, the, it's the cousin to communism. <laughs> you know, think about communism. At least the communists, they still love their country. They just wanted it to be communist. Now these, these people don't even love our country. They say, well, it's not about the country. This is God's country. I said, this is God's country. I can say that literally because we made an oath on the very foundation of this country that this country would be founded on Christian beliefs and, and it would be founded on God. It's the only nation other than Israel that that's ever happened in the history of mankind. This is God's country and God's using this country to win the world. Missionaries and finances and resources. My own son is going around the world trying to win the world for from Jesus, for Jesus, from this country. And believe me, all that they're trying to tear down. And we say, how can God ever do it? Look at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah talks about this too. He was, he was in, this, in this time, in this generation. He said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. We know that's John the Baptist, right? And we know in Malachi, he did send that voice. That was John the Baptist. So nothing was said for 400 years until John shows up. So that's a very important verse. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It was John's job to make a way 
for Jesus. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. Oh, we're making a highway, folks. Come on, come on, come on, come on. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed in all flesh. All flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 400 years, nothing. Luke chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 15. I mean, this is almost the first, very first thing. Right here it is. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Sound like Malachi? He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the, of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, the thing about it is, well, that's done. No, that's not done because he said he was going to send Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That day hadn't come yet. Jesus, did, Jesus isn't, isn't coming just once. You know he's coming again. And before he does, once again, he's going to send Elijah. It won't be John the Baptist. And it, listen to me, it won't be one man. In the last day, when Elijah comes, it's going to be a spirit. And it's going to be on a lot of people. The spirit of Elijah is going to be on a generation of Christians already in the church. Mature Christians waiting on the Lord. Anybody want to be in the Elijah generation? Not every church will see it. Not everybody in every not everybody in this church will realize it. But those who are hungry for a move of God and want revival and want a move of his spirit, amen, you can be a candidate for the spirit of Elijah as it comes upon the church. How many would love to be part of the spirit of Elijah? Well, before you volunteer, remember there's Jezebel. Because wherever Elijah is, Sister Jessie shows up. Come on, folks. You need to understand that Jezebel had taken over an entire nation. Elijah said, I'm the only one left in an entire nation, Israel. And God said, no, I've got 6,000. Elijah's like, well, you're hiding them pretty well. I don't see them. You ever feel like you're the only one? <laughs> you know, sometimes we pray, God, am I the only one? Where's everybody else? Where's the support? Where? But because, you see, he's going to raise up a remnant in this church and some other church and some other church, and we're not going to know who they are. We're not going to be connected. And sometimes you're going to feel all alone because Jezebel's more united than the church sometimes. You need to understand that it wasn't just about religion. It was about Jezebel taking over a godly nation. And she had 450 prophets of Baal. And Elijah takes a sword out. I'll tell you, if you were a prophet back then, <laughs> you had to have a few more skills than preaching. You had to know how to use a sword. 
And he kills 450 prophets. And eventually, you know, eventually Jezebel, Jezebel gets The spirit of Jezebel is here too. It's trying to take over this nation. It's trying to destroy and shut down the church. They're going to do everything in their power, take away our tax-exempt status, persecute us, whatever they want. <laughs> but God is going to raise up a Lazarus, an Elijah generation that's going to take on Jezebel. Listen, don't get discouraged any way this, this election goes. Don't get discouraged because God's in charge. It may take, well, I don't even want to speak that. But it just, whatever it takes to wake the church up, that's, I'm okay with that. Whatever it takes, if we got to start meeting on a street corner somewhere, or like, like I used to say, if we have to meet in the plumbing department at Menards, if that's what we got to do, that's what we'll do. Amen? Let's look at some scriptures. I'm sorry, I'm going too long. Amos 5.18 says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord, for what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. Listen, there's light coming, there's revival coming, but there's darkness coming. And, and to summon the word of the Lord is what good is that day? Listen, you get on the bandwagon or it's darkness. Well, Lord, they don't want to amen that, but. Was that the only verse? Yes. Uh, Psalms 110 and 3. Look at this. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning. You have the dew of your youth. God is going to raise up some young people, a lot of young people. He said, Pastor, I don't see how that's possible. I started to say back in my day, at least we had some knowledge of church. Now they have no knowledge of God. In fact, they're anti-God. How in the world can God raise up a generation? They say now this Z generation, I think, if I got my numbers right, I think it was 16% are in church. That's it. How is God going to raise them? They're not even in church. But you see, I wasn't in church when God saved me. I didn't belong to a church. Come on now. I miss so many Sundays, they kicked me out, I'm sure. I, I got saved by a move of God that just swept me up. Listen, let me put it this way. Y'all know how hurricanes are formed? Maybe you don't. I usually give you a history lesson. Today I'm going to give you a meteorological. Meteor, meteorological. It's hard to say. Lesson. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably be a meteorologist or an historian or a park ranger. I, I don't know. It's just a lot of things. <laughs> you think about these things, you know. Now I'm too old for any of that, so I'm stuck. I'm here. So here's, here's how they, they can kind of tell a hurricane is coming before a hurricane even forms. And the way that it is is it begins to form a low-pressure system. And it begins to circle, and the tighter it is, okay, the tighter that low-pressure system, the more, the more wind there is and the more, okay? So as, as that air pressure does this, warm air rises. It leaves the center, and it forms a vacuum. 
but nature doesn't like vacuums. And when it forms that vacuum, air begins to rush in and circulate. So in other words, hurricanes are formed from nothing, basically. They just swarm into a vacuum. How many know the devil is stupid? But listen, he's just like a lot of these people out on the streets tearing things down. He's angry. He's vengeful. He just, according to 1 Peter 5, 8, he just wants to, he's just seeking whom he can devour. He's just wanting to tear up marriages. He just wants to tear up homes. He just wants to tear up churches. He just wants to tear up wounds. He just wants to tear things up. That's just his nature, but he's stupid. He took God out of, out of the schools, and he says, ah, I got him now. But what he did was form a vacuum. These people riding in the streets say, well, we want socialism. Well, I don't know what they want. But if they got it, they wouldn't be happy with it because it's not going to fix it. It's not going to help it. Go to Venezuela. It didn't help them. <laughs> no, it's not going to work. It's not going to fix. They don't need, you know, the other day I saw a yard sign because I'm looking at all the yard signs I drive along, and, and, and I saw one. It was red and blue, and it said, Jesus 2020. I'll vote for Jesus. I'm not telling you not to go vote, but be sure you vote for Jesus. Jesus 2020. We should all get those signs and put them in our yards. Jesus 2020. If we buy some, would you put them in your yards? Okay. I I was tempted to buy some other signs, but we're not going to go there. Bad pastor. Man, I'm just bad. I'm sorry. I didn't say which one. I just, okay. Listen, I could give you a lot of statistics, but you understand that 40 million people in in America use psychiatric drugs now. 40 million are on psychiatric drugs. They did surveys and they said 50%. Every other person says they're lonely. And they say, well, what about, we got Facebook. We got Facebook. We shouldn't be lonely. They said the more, said that the people who spend the most time on social media are the loneliest. That ain't helping. Social media is not helping. In fact, if anything, it's hurting because people are a lot freer to say whatever they want when they don't have to say it to you face to face. Social media is not filling a hole in people's lives like Jesus can. They said life expectancy is now declining. Since 1963, it's gone up every year. In the last few years, it started going down. People are living shorter lives, not longer. My God, that's scary to me. Young people have gone to extreme with drugs, violence, perversion, and socialism. Listen to what he says, Acts 26, 14. Listen to what he says to Paul. Y'all remember when Paul got saved? Y'all praying for me? And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Remember, he actually killed Christians. 
A lot of them. A lot of them. And he did it in the name of God. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And what, he, what, what a goad is, is back then if you had a stubborn mule or a stubborn ox and it wouldn't move, you get this sharp stick and you'd poke it, right? And if he didn't move, you'd poke it again. And you just keep poking until the mule says, all right, I'll move. I'm tired of getting poked. And that's what he said, Saul. And he said, well, how is Saul being poked? He's angry. He's like a lot of young people today. They're just angry. And, and a lot of them have come from broken homes. And a lot of them have been abused. And a lot of them aren't plugged into the system and they're not making money and they're just, they're just angry. And they, and they might actually have reasons to be. But that anger, just like Paul, he says, Paul, you've been angry and you've been killing Christians, but I've been poking at you. I've been poking at you. And the more I poke, they're either going to get angrier or they're going to get saved. Because God says, I'm not going to stop poking how is this generation going to get saved? The Holy Spirit's going to poke them. He's got that stick. <laughs> and they're either going to get more violent and more angry, or they're going to turn around and get saved. At some point, they're going to say, enough already. They know, listen, they may not have been raised in church, but there's something within you because they're made in the image of God. And there's something in them that even though they deny there is a God, they know there is a God. And they're angry and they're rebellious, but he's going to keep poking until some of them finally say, all right, I give up. And they won't know and they won't understand church and they won't understand all our little rules and all our little church language, but they're going to start showing up by the hundreds in churches and they're going to say, God spoke to me in the middle of the night. I just know, he just told me it's now or never and I had to get saved. I had to find a church and God, church, we need to be on fire and ready for the next move of God. The Lazaruses are coming. That's what I want to prophesy to you. The Lazarus are coming. They're coming. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. My God, my God, my God. In Luke chapter 12, we could put it up. I won't read it, but listen to this. He says this. He says, you people can discern when it's going to rain. You know when it's going to be warm or cold, judging on the wind. He said, you hypocrites. You can, you can discern the weather, but you can't discern the spiritual time you're in. How many are discerning that we are in a transition? We are in a turning like we have never. I don't care how old you are. We are in a turning like none of us have ever seen before. It's going to be greater than the move of God that I experienced in the 70s. It's going to be something truly amazing. We need to be ready for it. We need to be walking in the spirit and power of Elijah as Lazarus comes out of the tomb. As Lazarus comes out of the tomb. My God. I don't have much voice left, but listen to what I'm saying. 
Jesus also said in that chapter, and he also says it in Matthew, because the disciples said, we would all want it. He said, what's the date? When are you coming back? How many would love to know the date? Yeah, so, so we can live like the devil till the day before. I know. <laughs> we all want to know what, what the date is. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the date. But here's, he said, here's what I will tell you. This is really interesting. Catch this. What he did tell, what he did give, there was not a date. He gave him a warning. He said, I can't tell you the date, but I can tell you this. Don't be deceived. What? Don't get deceived. You know what the problem with deception is? When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. So it's very deceptive. Deception is very deceptive. And that's why whole denominations, whole peoples can go off and get, get deceived into some weird thing. And they think they know the truth. You can kind of tell it because when they get deceived, that's all they want to talk about. <laughs> but church, we need to stay alert in the spirit. 